Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 159. This is Dave. This is Barry. This is Dave. <laughs> uh, it's sorry. an Canadian version. There you go, yes, which means he's better. It's very David Lynchian, actually, to actually be talking to your Canadian version. Wow, there you remember, go. Remember that scene in Lost Highway? It's like that. Anything oh. you want to ask your other version, Dave? Wow, no, you just said Lost Highway, and that broke me. So it's been a while since I see. I saw Do you remember it that with um, with Robert Forster and? Uh, do you remember like when Bill Pullman bumps into him at the party and he says, uh, "You know, I'm at your house right now. Call me." And and uh, yeah, he talks to his other version that's in the house. And yeah, that that wow. scene is terrifying. Anyway, <laughs> so you know I, what I'm talking about, right, Ethan? Yeah. Okay. Well, Robert Robert Blake. Robert, Robert Blake. Forster. Why did I say Robert Forster? Sorry, the other Robert. Robert Blake. <sighs> The terrifying Robert Blake. No wonder he's so terrifying. He's terrifying with with or without eyebrows. There you go. Wow. <laughs> you went there. All right, then. Um, I guess we should start off with, with what we've watched over the past week or so. Barry, why don't you kick us off? Uh, what have I seen? Let's see. Um, I, I went back and saw The Tree of Life for a third time. Um, well, you know, it was for a paper. I won't bore you with what it was about. I actually got an A on this paper. I wrote an analysis on the film. Um, but, uh, no, I, third time I see it, I think it... it could very well be one of the greatest films ever made, if not one of the best films I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I just don't see any problems with it anymore. <laughs> I'm at the point now where I just uh, I look at the film and it's just a series of images I love to partake in. You just bask in the glow for the two hours and 15 minutes. I just minutes. kind of do. And the first time I saw it, I think I told you, I was saw it with, uh, with it was a film critic who was sitting by me. And after it was over, he said that he had bawled like a child the whole way through. Not something I experienced the first time, but I... I've, kind of understood that a little more the third time um it's just one of these movies that just definitely definitely moves me um on the other end of the spectrum i finally got <laughs> no you know for the most part these are pretty good films well not completely but i saw dario argento's creepers also known as phenomena in europe um in america it was released as creepers in an 88 minute version and the european version is much better much longer this is with jennifer connelly and donald pleasance uh, argento has said it's probably his best film and I, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen all of his films yet. I'm, I'm kind of working my way through the Argento catalog, as it were. But a lot of those are on Netflix, right? They are. Okay. Um, and Creepers is uh, it's something else. Um, it's a little overly talky, and they definitely give Donald Pleasance a, a little too much dialogue, of course. But he's so good at it. Um, but Man Alive does it deliver. It has uh, the last 20 minutes of it are in turn spectacular, suspenseful, exciting, and incredibly disgusting. Um, there's a scene in which Jennifer Connelly's character is thrashing about in a pool that's full of body parts and maggots. Um, it, it, and it is so much more disgusting than I've described. It's really something. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed Creepers. It's, it's, uh, it, it's some really wonderful filmmaking there. Argento, no question, even if you don't like the film or find the film repulsive, which it is at times, it's the filmmaking is really wonderful. I finally got around to seeing Uncle Boon May, who can recall his past lives. I thought this mm-hmm. was an incredible film. It just, okay. uh, frankly, casually awesome film. Um, it's just one of these films that you, you watch and you don't know where it's going to take you. And uh, when it was over, I was grateful for the really surprising ways. It, it just continually took me by surprise. Kind of a redundant sentence. It reminded me a lot of Kwaidan, the, the Japanese horror anthology film. It's a film that's very casual about uh, the existence of a spiritual world. The characters react to ghosts and monsters the way you and I would, you know, an ant walking across the table. Just kind of very casual 
it ends on a note where I, I thought um, I thought the film had kind of run out of things to show us, and it ended on a note that I, I thought was so I was completely flabbergasted by the way this film ended. Um, I think it's a beautiful film and a wonderful film, and uh, it, it's hard to top its first thirty minutes. You know, it, you know the, the 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 dinner scene, which is so remarkable and so crazy, and it has such a wonderful. Or the the catfish. I like the catfish scene. I really did. Um, it reminded me of, well, I would say, like, of course, a dark fairy tale, but more like, of course, like an ethnic folk tale. Um, but I liked it because it was so straight-faced. This movie, had it been done by anyone other than a very talented Thai filmmaker, it would be ridiculous. But instead, I, I found it to be very beautiful, even during the catfish scene, which is definitely the most outrageous part of the film. But no, I, I really liked it. Did you like it, Ethan? It was my number two of last year. Very cool. Very cool. What was your number one? Uh, you know. Inception? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to hear your blood boil. No, it was the King's Speech. Come on. <laughs> All right, and I also saw Birdemic, Shock and Terror. Is um, that movie not just phenomenally bad? It's it's much worse than The Room in, yeah. in terms of its quality. I mean, this is a film... It reminds me of the kind of movies Marty and I used to make when we were like 12 with our VHS camera. Now, you, you know, know what every, I mean by an experiment and what what happens when you make a movie using nothing but the first take? Yeah. Well, not only that. I mean, you know, it's the whole thing of... of uh, I mean, when, when Marty and I used to make our VHS home movies, I mean, whenever you cut to a different scene, the, the sound quality constantly changes and it's very jarring. Um, special effects were terrible. It, it's it's enjoyable because the lead performance is so remarkably wooden. Yeah, um, it, it's fun to hear someone say like, you know, be sure and go after your dreams with no modicum of emotion whatsoever. That's always fun. Um, yeah, I laughed a lot, but it is a much harder film to sit through than The Room. Um, the mm-hmm. Room has the biggest special effect of all, which is Tommy Wiseau. This has terrible special effects and it only has about just a few moments of music but they keep hitting the repeat button so the music goes over to you. anyway did you like the part with, with with like the the indian r&b star singing the song i love that scene <laughs> very much very much yeah there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of scenes where i was just howling with laughter but no question it's it's uh, uh, that movie i don't know i saw a trailer for it and something gave me the implication that the filmmakers were intentionally making it that way and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way Marty went to a screening of it in Los Angeles, and apparently James Wen, the filmmaker, can't believe I know his name, apparently uh, he insists that he meant for it to be a serious film, and he thinks it's a genuinely great movie. So, I don't know. And I have a picture of Marty standing next to him, smiling, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I love how it, how it just... But, you know, I mean, you know, don't you think in this day and age it's almost easy to do that, to kind of like try and pull a Tommy Wiseau? Sure, absolutely, because, you know, it's it's your word against his, and... I mean, you look at the film, and it looks like some of the actors are genuinely trying, and it looks like some of the actors... Well, you know what? That would be one indication, I think, to kind of nod that maybe the movie is, you know, the unintentionally bad movie that it is, because the actors do seem... They don't seem to wink at the camera. They no. see, You know, either the lead actor who doesn't try at all because he's not an actor, or the actress who really does seem to try to be giving a performance trying to give yeah performance. i love that you don't see your first bird for like 45 minutes yeah, oh, it's amazing yeah 45 minutes go by and then all of a sudden this this attack just all of a sudden <laughs> happens and, and you know the, the dive bombing birds the dive bombing <laughs> birds yeah and they're exploding like like gasoline yeah it's it's yeah i i will see this film again it's terrible but but enjoyable for that matter i don't need to own it though no 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 i'm glad i didn't didn't blind buy this one one that uh is genuinely terrible because it's just genuinely terrible um and i'm i'm not I'm not going to go on a rampage about about this particular actor, but uh, she's out of my league. Um, exhibit Q that Jay Baruchel should not carry a film, um, but it goes beyond just his performance, which is typically kind of a grating. Um, 
the problem with this film, the biggest problem, is that the whole message of the film is that he's dating Alice Eve, who, as they say in the film, is a 10, and he's a 5. Can a 10 and a 5 possibly get together? You know, and it's this whole ridiculous, you know, kind of this backwards Fairly Brothers sort of thing. And then, of course, the ending where the best friend goes, no, man, you're a 10, and she's a 10, so you two need to be together. Well, the thing about this movie, though, I mean, it's trying to, you know, it, it, it has its heart in a, in a fairly good place. It's saying, you know, that it doesn't matter how you look. It depends on who the person that you are. But the thing is, Alice Eve's character in this movie, in addition to being ridiculously beautiful she's also a lawyer she's also incredibly intelligent she's a successful businesswoman and you know she's clearly a catch Jay Baruchel's character who works for TSA and by the way like maybe one of the most unappealing TSA agents in film history um, and, and this is not me picking on him this is the character the character is disgusting he is an idiot he is a moron um, there's a scene in the movie where he ejaculates on himself and he allows her dog to clean it up for oh. him I mean this is this guy is not a five he's a one he's you know clearly these two I mean the, the title is right she's completely out of his league they do not deserve one another she deserves so much better than this idiot um Jay Baruchel, he was actually in this uh, Canadian movie recently where he played like a serial killer. That would be great casting. That could totally work. Because I'm serious, I think the leading man thing doesn't work. I mean, you know, he looks kind of like, you know, like like Jeff Goldblum's like less gainly younger brother. But I think as a serial killer, that would be great casting. I I think that that's a good idea. I'd see that. All right. Um, I saw a film called Rubber, and I like one of the most surreal movies. I liked it more than you did, um, but I mean, it's very hit and miss. I, a lot of great ideas, not all, not all of them really hit. Um, not, not great execution. Yeah, I think the problem, one of the problems, is the performances. I thought were just kind of middle of the road. Um, I love the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, well, it, the casting is very bizarre. I mean, the sheriff is uh, Steven Spinella from Angels in America, the original Broadway production. Wings Hauser's in there. Uh, David Bowe from uh, UHF. Um, yeah, like, uh, I, I enjoyed the whole notion of the audience watching the movie through binoculars because I felt like that watching a movie in the desert with binoculars waiting for something to happen, kind of like watching She's Out of My League. But I, I think the best thing about Rubber was kind of uh, the really hypnotic scenes of just the tire rolling through the desert. <laughs> yeah. Really, I, I couldn't get enough of those scenes. I enjoyed the Killing that. the wo- small woodland creatures. And yeah, yeah. Desert yeah. creatures, I mean. No question. I mean, it, it, it's a movie with, with very meager aspirations, and it's trying to be kind of a Jean-Luc Godard dissection of, of film conventions. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Um, I, I think it, it, it misses more than it hits. It's definitely trying to be something really unique and original, and I think it, it, it gets halfway there mm-hmm. um and that's that's it for me okay uh, i'll just do the two things i watched real quick uh you know people I, I watch this stuff so you don't have to let me just reinforce don't watch torchwood uh this last episode had ernie hudson in it, and honestly he was the highlight of the episode there's um you know now that the outbreak's going you know people are alive everywhere and and suddenly this one pharmaceutical company has more than enough painkillers for everybody magically captain jack goes to confront him about it and he's like Dude, what are you talking about? If you want this memo saying I did this like a day before, good luck with that. This kind of thing is played up like it's been planned for five years. I have no idea what's going on, but it was a very engaging discussion about him because Ernie Hudson was captivating when he was on the screen. I don't know if it's because he was genuinely captivating or because everyone else bored the piss out of me, but the rest of the show just went god-awful. It's getting so heavy-handed with the whole concentration camp routine and essentially they're, they're trying to say um what's the best way to put this if we privatize healthcare, then we're going to have death camps that's really what, what what seems the point of this movie of this series is it makes no sense people who are super lefties are like look i'm as liberal as they come and this thing's full of it 
the biggest problem is that this thing, this show has zero sub- subtlety. There's no subtleness at all to the storyline. Um, it's like they're trying to emulate the X Files, but the X Files had had a certain panache about it and, and a certain bit of style and, and subtleness to it that this just doesn't have. It's getting worse. It's, but it's, Ernie Hudson's good in it. He's he's great in it for his whole five or ten minutes he's on screen. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Oh, then I watched the original Fright Night because I really feel that you can't watch, do a review on something that's beloved by a lot of people on a remake of a movie that's beloved by a lot of people without seeing the original too. And it was pretty fun. Um, it was kind of, I'm going to be honest, it was hard for me to take Prince Humperdinck seriously as a, uh, that's as a killer. That's the only other movie you've seen him in, Dave. And it is. It is. So that, that, wait, that's... Wait, wait. Chris Sarandon? Chris Sarandon. Yes. What about Dog Day Afternoon? What about love, like 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 lipstick? He's done a lot of stuff. I have. I don't. You've only seen much. the Princess Bride. Man, yeah, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. And the report. There were times where he seemed pretty menacing. Um, the, this thing does ooze a good bit of eighties cheese. Just you need to know that. That's going not into a it. bad thing. The it's Goonies. Not, it's the not. Goonies does that. So it exactly. is Back to the Future. Exactly. And exactly. I think it got a little bit heavy on exposition at some points. And I, the reason that it stuck out to me was because they found very interesting ways to pull off the same material in the remake, which I can't talk about yet. But um, no, I had a, a good time with it. Roddy McDowell's a blast as Peter Vincent. I, I thought he was great. Um, the best friend got on my nerves to no end. That that's the Evil one. Ed, well, he's in gay porn now, so. Well, he's supposed to get on your nerves, though. Evil Ed is, you know, and you know he becomes Evil Ed. Yeah. It. Oh. Oh, I, I hate You've it. never had an annoying, obnoxious friend in high school? Oh, sure I At have, least yes. one? Oh, I mean, everybody's had an evil Ed friend in high absolutely. school. Absolutely, yeah. I'm I, pretty sure I was that friend. <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, you know, it, it was a fun movie. I, you know, I hate to you say it. You didn't like it. No, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad movie. It's just I, I will. This is all that I will say is that I do prefer the this, the uh, remake. Okay. To the original. So and no Lost Boys then. No, no, no. The different, different film, though. Very different movie. Yeah, yeah. The, the oh man, I've, I'm gonna stop because I can't go into the. You didn't well, like look. Obviously, I I love this film, but you know, I grew up with Fright Night, and you mm-hmm. just this is the first time you'd seen exactly. it. Exactly. So I didn't have the context of the time when it came out, well, even close to. It. And you know, like you know, no question, you know, and, and you know, Ethan, be sure and call me on this. I mean, you know, like nostalgia should only affect your love, love or criticism for a film so far. But what I what well, I, I saw really, a Fright Night when I was like 13, and I'm a big fan of it. Cool. So very, very, well, good, good. Um, I mean, one of the things I love about the film that I wasn't sure would carry over to the remake, and I'm very curious what you, what you have to say about this, Dave, is like, you know, it does reflect the whole horror TV show host thing, which doesn't exist anymore, really. And that is like not a, in this at all. And it's not in that at all, man. Because no. that's one, I mean, like, what, why do they call it Fright Night? Is that the name of the of the Peter that's, Vincent that's, show? That's the, the name of Peter Vincent's Chris Angel ripoff show. Okay, okay. Which is, the the minute you see him going with that ridiculous beard and mustache and the wig, it's friggin' hilarious, because you're like, how can I take this guy seriously? So in that in that respect, you kind of have the same feeling with Roddy McDowell, except he's a TV host. So you're like, yeah, you know, it's it's like you know when Grandpa Munster was hosting late night movies. You know, it's all good. Whereas Tennant's character is more of an outright laughing stock in the movie from the get go. Okay. Well, interesting. Well, I'm glad they at least addressed that because that, that was one thing that when they Ooh. announced the remake, I just thought that's that's going to be completely lost because that. You know, other than like internet personalities like us, there really aren't guys like you know like like the the equivalent of Peter Vincent. And to be fair, we are essentially the equivalent of cable public access. I've always thought of us as the Colorado Wayne and Garth. There you go. Wow. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Would I be a Tom Hanks roadie character? Absolutely. <laughs> I love that character. <laughs> the the sequel 
takes the things that do, that they know don't work and they don't try to shoot horn, horn them in. That's one, one thing that I really appreciated. Well, let me ask you this, and this is probably non-spoiler material. Does uh, um, does Jerry Dandridge have a partner in this one? No. No partner? There's no... Um, They're um, trying to really indicate that he's straight and, and a ladies' man. And, yeah. Cause the, yeah. In he the doesn't 80s have a Renfield. Film, he doesn't very, have a Renfield. Yeah, because in the 80s version, I mean, not only is it a Renfield, but it's also kind of indicating, like, hey, he could be going I never got that, feel, that, that idea because... Like the remake, the original gets into gear pretty stinking quick. Well, Tom Holland indicated the original director indicated that he did want you know to be some kind of suggestion of a possible homosexual relationship between. Hmm. Okay, you know, I didn't pick two up on men that at all. who are. Anyway, that's that's Nightmare on Elm Street two subtext. We don't need to go there. <laughs> Same uh, year, by the way. There you go. There you go. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's well worth checking out because I mean it's it's important to see. I, I think it's yeah. I'm gonna talk more about it next week. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Child's Play? The other one Tom Holland did? Or? No. Okay. Just curious. No, that one always kind of scared me a little bit too. Yeah, it's really know. scary. Yeah. No. Child. The original Child's Play is scary. I can vouch for that. Whereas Fright Night wasn't scary to me at all. Parts of it scared me. <laughs> when uh, when Evil Ed first turns up in a wig in the bed, that part always <laughs> kind of freaked me out. I started dying laughing. I'm sorry. Well, you know, when you're when you're 11, it's yeah, scary. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's all I watched. Um, Ethan, how, how is your hangover from, from Fantasia going? It's going great, Dave. <laughs> what you been watching? Uh, I saw both monkey films in the theaters, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Project <laughs> Nim. You know, okay, so oh, I'm not supposed to talk about Project Nim for like another two weeks, two or three weeks. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It yeah. opened in Montreal like last week. I know. We so, had to do it based off when it's releasing in Denver. Yeah, we don't get it till what, September 9th? September 2nd or 9th. They're not sure yet. That's right. Well, what would you mm-hmm. think, Ethan? I think there's a lot okay. of correlation. Yeah. It was okay. That's probably a good way to put that. You, you, I think you probably think <laughs> higher of it than I do. Okay. But what about the, the other, other one? On the, on the other hand, I uh, quite liked actually. Great. Great. What'd you like about it? The uh, special effects. <laughs> the uh, it was very well directed. I found mm-hmm. S- strongly written, intelligent. So the humans aren't in it aren't very interesting. But I actually thought that was kind of an interesting choice to make them almost the apes in a way. Sure. And like the monkeys, the humans. I thought that was actually pretty interesting and intelligent. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was quite good. I don't know. You said Tom Felton looks like David Thewlis. I'm not quite sure about that. He'd, he'd need the mustache for me to <laughs> determine, but it was good. Yeah, quite good. Did you think that Brian Cox was a bit wasted? I liked him. I think of actually all the human characters, he was the most interesting. Yeah. That could be just because it's played by Brian Cox, too. That guy just adds gravity and weight to most scenes. Did, did you like uh, the subplot with John Lithgow? Yeah, it was nice seeing him in a movie again. Right on. Like, when, what's the last thing he was in? Well, unfortunately, he was in When in Rome, and he oh. was also in uh, Leap Year. Um, oh. Yeah, so he's been in, and he was in Confessions of a Shopaholic. So he's been kind oh. of, yeah, he's been getting these like teeny tiny dad roles and these awful chick flicks. So it's it it is nice to see him kind of going back to Harry and the Hendersons, literally. So. James Franco, though, was just completely phoning it in. Yeah, I didn't really feel any chemistry between him and Caesar. Yeah, it's like I, you could just tell at the same time he was, like, making an art installation and, like, <laughs> write, publishing a book of short stories and getting his master's at Yale. And and working on the next David Gordon Green movie. Worrying about yeah. his Oscar speech and 
worrying about his Oscar hosting and getting his pilot's license. And... Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was quite. It's probably the best blockbuster I've seen this year. I would have to agree with that. Yeah. Cool. Or best summer, uh, movie, best summer movie. Sorry, what? So. Best summer? Yeah. Well, yeah. summer movie in quotes. Yeah. But uh, uh, other stuff I watched, I watched uh, Morvern Kalar by uh, Lynn Ramsey. Have you guys seen this? I've heard that's wonderful. I've been dying to see that. And I love Samantha Morton. Yeah, it's about uh, she's this woman. Her boyfriend is a writer, and her boyfriend on Christmas Eve, I think it is, her boyfriend commits suicide. And uh, leaves her with this money for an advance for a book, but she poses as she wrote the book. And she takes the money and goes with her friend to Spain to talk with the publishers of a book. And that sounds very kind of like a pretty thin plot, but it's more kind of about visuals and stuff. Like he leaves her behind this playlist and she's like trying to get rid of the body. And she's kind of going to all these like clubs and it's a very uh, sensory experience. It's really well made. So I definitely recommend it. I think I may have even liked it more than Ratcatcher. Wow, and I love Ratcatcher. Cool, cool. Uh, next, I watched this uh, Turkish film called Distant. And I have to say, this is one of the best films I've seen all year. It's uh, it's made with this director. He also made this other really acclaimed film called Climates. But it's uh, about this basically the successful writer living in uh, Istanbul. And his wife, I forget, it's not quite clarified if his wife died or if she left him. But he's all alone. And his a very distant relative comes to live with him, who's kind of unemployed. And basically, it's about how they're they have like just their communication just keeps deteriorating throughout the film, and how eventually by the end they're like not saying anything to each other. And it's very Antonioni esque how it's mm. shot, long stretches of silence, lots of beautiful cinematography. It also has a real sense of humor. Like there's a scene where um, they're watching Tarkovsky's Stalker, and the relative he goes to bed, and then the photographer he switches it to porn. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> okay. Is this an older film or? No, it came out in 2002. Okay. It's called Distant. I'll check that out. Yeah, it's an excellent film. Um, next, I watched Abel Ferreira's The Driller Killer. Oh, man. I've seen The Driller Killer. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. It's uh, it's it definitely it's set on the back of the DVD, so I was expecting this that it's more like a kind of an art film, like kind of like Taxi Driver, rather than like an exploitation movie. Yeah, and you can definitely see so in how it's just the kind of the atmosphere of like late seventies New York, and uh, kind of even the, all the religious kind of symbolism throughout the movie, which was interesting. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing more of uh, Ferrera's films. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of my favorites. I mean, like, you know, I'm such a Yankee, I immediately think of, like, Body Snatchers, but I I really loved um, The Funeral. Have you seen that one? No, Vincent Gallo's in that, isn't he? He sure is. Yeah, yeah, he sure is. Yeah, I, I really like The Funeral a lot. Um, let's see. I've not seen The Vampire one um, with... Uh, I'm sorry? Is that called The Addiction? That's The Addiction, yes. Yes, that's one Marty's always told me about. I've never seen The Addiction. Um I've seen a couple more, but yeah, his movies are really hot and cold with me, and it's not because he's not a talented filmmaker. He is, but obviously, some of his movies they just kind of leave you in such a such a kind of gloomy funk that I haven't gone back and revisited them. But he's he's very talented. I really like him a lot. Yeah, one more thing I want to say about that film is just the sound mix in it is crazy. Like, I guess I could say it's a really bad sound mix, and that yes. I could hear barely any of the dialogue and all the action is like way too loud. But it even says at the beginning of the movie, this film should be played loud. <laughs> <laughs> and I was playing it at kind of even a low volume, and it's still whenever like he was drilling someone, it was like whoa. So it's pretty interesting the sound mix for that movie. It's in public domain uh, over here. Is it? Yep. 
Well, I, actually, yeah, I think you're right. I I paid to rent it, but you know, more money for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, I watched the trip. Oh, I love the trip. The the Roger Corman movie, right? No, the uh, Michael Winterbottom oh, one. Oh, the Steve Winterbottom Coogan. movie. How is that? It's really funny, actually. I'm kind of hot and cold in Michael Winterbottom, but Me I too. thought I think I can develop a basic formula for his films. Add Steve Coogan, good. Subtract <laughs> Steve Coogan, bad. I honestly did not like Tris Ram Shandy though. Um, but you know, twenty four hour party people, I, yeah, get behind that one. And uh, anyway, yeah, uh, uh, I, I've heard this one's hilarious. It, it played in months for for months in Denver, and I never got around to seeing it. But but it, it's as funny oh. as they say. Then, yeah, well, th- there's the uh, obviously the clip of the Michael Caine impression, and there's like a dozen other impressions throughout the movie done by done by them, and they're pretty amazing. <laughs> it, the movie kind of tries to have a bit of a sentimental, emotional side to it that doesn't quite work, but for the most part, it was quite good. So Sweet. I'd recommend it. Great, I've been wanting to see it. And uh, finally, I watched Greg Araki's Nowhere. Oh, gosh. This movie is pretty awesome. <laughs> like, uh, I've, de- I've determined that I love Greg Araki. Like, um, like I said, his movies can be very kind of vulgar and obnoxious and stupid, but I think there's a real truth to them and there's real emotion to them. Like, the opening scene is James Duvall, who's a Greg Araki regular, and he's masturbating, and he's in the shower, and he's imagining, like, three different things that he's fantasizing to. And it's actually, like, a really interestingly done scene. And uh, just the cast in this movie, it's crazy how many recognizable people there are. Not necessarily yeah. all great actors, but, uh, like, I'll, I'll list it down. There's, uh, besides James Duvall, obviously, there's Debbie Mazar, mm-hmm. Jordan Ladd, Christina Applegate, uh, Ryan Felipe, Heather Graham, Scott Can, Mina Suvari, Beverly D'Angelo, Denise Richards, Tracy Lords, Shannon Doherty, Rose McGowan, John wow. Ritter. So it's a pretty crazy cast. I was thinking Jason Priestley is in it, but this isn't the, that movie, right? No. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it's it's an awesome movie, so I completely recommend it. Is this your favorite of the Iraqi films so far you've seen? Yeah, probably. I really like Totally Fucked Up a lot as well. But yeah, this is probably my favorite. Did you like the Doom Generation? Yeah, I like that too. I like it more. I kind of like that more the more I've thought about it. Yeah. I think yeah. you need to kind of see more of his films to be... Because he, he had a trilogy, obviously. And right. uh, I think seeing that in order makes me like his films. And I liked uh, Kaboom as well. And uh, also Mysterious Skin, but that's quite different. Oh yeah, Mysterious Skin. I forgot about that one. Yep. Cool. All right. What else, sir? That was the week. All right, cool. Well, let's talk about what came out in theaters this week. I'm sure we're going to have a bit of a discussion about one of the movies. <laughs> well, um, you could either watch The Driller Killer and experience that kind of torture, or you could just see Glee, the 3D concert movie, which thankfully is uh, on its way out of theaters. Apparently didn't do very well over the weekend. Apparently, you mean people are sick of hearing Don't Stop Believing for the 847 millionth time? Apparently not enough Sue Sylvester. That's what I've heard. Not enough Sue Sylvester, and that's what the fans want, and they didn't give the fans what they wanted, so they've turned their back. On Glee, or just that Glee sucks. Who are oh. you? Have, have you been abducted by by the body? No, no, no. Dead? I've said from the beginning. I liked the first half of the first season. After that, it started going downhill. Yeah, but you've completely turned your back on Glee. You, oh, were, the, you were the first Glee guy I knew, Dave. I was, and that's when you it was played good. that music for me all the time. Really, you and then I stopped. Yeah. Wow, you have completely reformed. because the show has gotten crappy. Like, well, like the, through the end of the first season, we're like, this is better get better in the second season, or we're done. And it didn't. 
Could it have gotten better though? I mean, it was you know it's very formulaic. You it know? was, but oh, it was just like the last I mean, episode you know, I saw was the Rocky Horror Picture Show episode, which just butchered some of the songs. And I was like, you know what, I'm done. Man, I'm shocked, Dave. I've gone back like, to my were, metal ways. Yeah, seriously, man, you were like the biggest Glee fan. I you were the first, and you were this huge Glee fan, and I you know I was. And then, I gave the show a shot because I'm like, well, Dave thinks it's this really great show. I'll give it a shot. I hated every single episode, but it's like, well, you know, I want to be respectful about this. And and you're this no more. I after, no more again. Dave. Seriously, wow. till, before and up until he went to regionals, that first half of the first season, I still contend it's, it's a solid show. But it just it just grates on the nerves after that. I, After just, that, yeah. do you think maybe? Do you think maybe just like like the resistance you put up just kind of wore down? Or? No, no. I I will go back. I would go back and watch the first. You know, really? Yeah, I would watch that part again. But it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So yeah, no. Because for me, it was always like High School Musical, the series. It always felt that way to me. But all right, all right. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I didn't. I, I just surprised <laughs> you completely. I'm so. very surprised. No, I I did not know this, Dave. I, I I'm, oh, I'm genuinely wait, shocked. Is, is, sorry, a question about the movie. Uh, does anyone know what like the the track list is for it? <laughs> apparently, it's a lot of the songs in the show. I mean, apparently, it's no. Like, they don't do any like Kid Rock or Gucci Mane or. <laughs> there is one. There's like two songs that are like recent. I think they do like a Katy Perry or something. I okay. think. I think. I don't know. Um, no Any good vibrations, no sale. Sunno. <laughs> That's a Dave question. I don't know anything about Glee. I, I, uh, I haven't my, watched most of the last season. Other than my season anger, half, my yeah. pure anger for that show. Anyway, uh, also in theaters this weekend, <laughs> Final Destination 5. Tony Todd is back in Final Destination 5. Uh, let's see. The Help, which released wide on Wednesday, is doing very well. Uh, apparently not doing too well. Got really mixed reviews, so I do want to see it. 30 Minutes or Less with Jesse Eisenberg. And then in limited release, Santa, the uh, documentary about the race car driver. And that's it. Cool. So did you see any of these, Ethan? No. Okay. Shall we just talk about it and get it over with? <laughs> the Help? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't mind talking about The Help. We'll talk about The Help. Yeah, I've definitely come around more to your, your way of thinking on it. Have you? Time. Yeah, in the time since. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I mean, my, the gist of my review is just that I think the performances are pretty strong, and I think there's some great scenes in the movie. I don't think it's a great movie, but but an admirable film. I think it's a good movie. I think uh, the, I thought the performances were pretty stinking stellar. Jessica Chastain sure. and uh, yep. Bryce Dallas Tower just wow. And Emma Stone put in a, a solid performance. Um, you know, it. My biggest hangup in retrospect is there's one thing about it's one thing to do a movie about a time period. The characters have changed to them, and and they affect change in their community or something like that. But this movie made such a drastic leap to to doing something that fictionally makes to, gets national attention. That if you're going to do that, you have to step back and say, okay, could this realistically happen in this day and age? And would the repercussions that happened in the movie actually happen? I think the answer is a resounding no on both counts. Of course, no. There's no way yeah. that anyone would have gotten away with that scot free. Because right. you know what? People were getting beaten and killed all the time back then, and right. no one was getting prosecuted. So I'm sorry. It's not going to be, oh, we're going to tell everyone that you did this. You know what? There's a way to keep that stuff quiet. That's my biggest, that's the biggest flaw in the film. No, I agree with you. No, it's, 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 a, it's a total fantasy. It's, a, it's you know, it's, like, like I said on our Wild 105 spot, I mean, it's this, this idea of justice and retribution that just didn't happen, could not have happened, and, mm-hmm. you know, there was just no climate for it. And, you know, I, I fear that, for all the good intentions of this movie, the only thing people are going to walk away remembering is the contents of the chocolate cake. <laughs> you know, which I think was funny. Uh, 
Just out of curiosity, Dave, yes. considering the uh, content of the film, I think it's interesting that the only people you said gave good performances were the uh, white people. No, that's people where I started movie. at. That, that's a, because here's frankly, the housekeeper stole the show every time any anyone was on the stage. Cicely Tyson was outstanding, and her I mean it was a bit part, but I thought she was great in it. She's just yeah, just kind of wonderful. Oh, yeah, Cicely Tyson and Viola Davis, no question. There's and a she, lot I, of power I would actually, to that performance. I would actually contend that she's the star of the movie as opposed to Emma Stone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I have to keep reminding myself that Emma Stone's in it because when yeah. I think of the women who weren't the help, I think immediately Jessica Chastain because as we said, I mean, uh, I mean I've seen Tree of Life how many times this summer and, I, and it wasn't until an hour into the help that I realized I was looking at Jessica Chastain, completely unrecognizable, mm-hmm. uh, wonderful character work. Um, yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, her performance is getting beginning a lot of criticism because they say like, well, she was a more subtle evil character in the book and in the movie, it's more over the top. But well, like, she's about an inch away from being mustache twirling. I mean, to be fair. But you know, this is, I, I mean, the kind of mustache twirling. I mean, it's the kind of evil that's unfortunately very recognizable. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people were 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 bigoted scumbags back then. I just I don't think her performance is that. You know, I don't. It wasn't like Billy Zane in Titanic. <laughs> okay, or just kind of the kind of the you know prototypical mustache twirling performance. She yeah. doesn't have a child. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I think it, I think it's a good movie. I think you have to go into it, and I, I think the biggest issue is that the big thing that happens at the end doesn't hold up to any kind of critical thought after you walk out of the movie. No, and I, the construct it yeah. makes, you're kind of along for the feel good ride, and you get out, and you're like. Wait a minute, there's no way that could have happened. I don't think it's as offensively stupid as The Blind Side. That's yeah. a film that and I And it's just, no I, driving and it's not driving Miss Daisy or anything like that. And I would actually get behind driving Miss Daisy, but but uh you know, just because that movie actually did, people don't remember this, but there are scenes in that film that do show just the disconnect between Hoke and Miss Daisy. Um not to get into driving Miss Daisy, but um no, I, I agree. I mean, this is more of a feel-good f- film, and you know, it's trying to be a feel-good movie about a time where nobody was feeling good. And it does get in, it does get into more of the meat of the racism in the South than I was expecting to. So it's a very interesting dichotomy. Like they really make a point of you know getting into some of the, the things that happened, but at the same time got in, got into doing things that there's no way it ever could have happened. You know, I, I give this film huge brownie points because as I told you, Dave, like it. Uh, it talks a great deal about Medgar Evers, who I think is one of the lost heroes of the civil rights movement. Like, you, there's never been a movie made about his life, and there needs to be more than Ghosts of Mississippi. And, you know, there's a good portion of the movie where they discuss him. And this is a film that is completely in favor of and supports um, interracial friendships, which mm-hmm. is, you know, like, it sounds so earnest to hear me say that, but really, there aren't a lot of movies that actually genuinely have really endearing interracial friendships. And the mo- this movie has that. Um, so there, there are a lot of good qualities about this film. Um, but, you know, I think, like yourself, kind of walk out going I, I didn't completely buy it but there's a lot of good things about it yeah yeah so okay well, let's go ahead and talk about what's hitting home video this week uh jane Eyre, the version with uh mia wasikowska and also michael fassbender who's wonderful uh dexter season five paul bettany is the priest along with maggie q and for some reason christopher Plummer. um something borrow with john krasinski and kate hudson one of the two wedding movies that came out this summer the big lebowski one of the masterpieces from the coen brothers available in a limited edition the Conspirator, the Robert Redford film starring James McAvoy, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick, his masterpiece The Killing, although I think most of his movies can be just casually described as masterpieces because it's Kubrick, available on Criterion. Uh, the Grace Card, not a masterpiece, not on Criterion, not worth talking about. John Carpenter's The Ward, you know, see it with lowered expectations and the lights down low. I think you'll have a good time. I certainly did. Uh, Hoodwink 2, Hood versus Evil. It's like, go back and forth between, yeah. 
Hoodwink 2. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Season 9. Anybody know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Was it a good season? Do you, do you remember? No, I don't remember. No. Yeah, no, no idea. Is this the, the original show? The original show, the original cartoon. Mm. So I didn't uh, know it went that long. So Yeah, I didn't know either. <laughs> I didn't realize it lasted nine seasons. Uh, the third film from Roman Polanski, Cold de Sac. Good stuff. Available on Criterion. And on Blu-ray, you've got a slew of Stallone movies. You have uh, Stallone playing uh, Adrian Cobretti in Cobra. I always love that name, Adrian Cobretti. I've never met a Cobretti in my life. Uh, Richard Donner's dumb but very exciting Assassins with Stallone and Antonio Banderas. Uh, the wonderful Demolition Man. I love Demolition Man. Yes. And then uh, The Specialist with Stallone and Sharon Stone. Um, worth noting that James Woods is in this film. He plays the villain, and apparently, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, he admitted to this. He improvised his entire role. He didn't. He thought the screenplay was bad. He made up his dialogue left and right. And Woods completely energizes this movie. He is sensational in this film. The so film, he doesn't stay on book at all. No, he. he I might have to see it some of, of the ad libs he does are just wonderful. There's a scene I always remember where he's walking out of an elevator, and the extra in the elevator is wearing this really loud Aloha shirt. And right before Woods leaves the elevator, he hands the guy twenty, goes buy another shirt, and walks out. Like there's all these moments in the film. It's James Woods' movie. It's his movie. Forget Stallone and Sharon Stone. Um, also available on Blu-ray, we got The Muppets Take Manhattan. I love this movie. Yep. Love this movie. I always love. The scene where let's see where is it miss they, they scene where they take manhattan uh the scene in central park with gregory hines i'll just leave it there i think it's yeah. a really funny sequence and also the part with the joan rivers uh with the with the powder i love that um armed and dangerous not one of the best john candy vehicles uh let's see and no oh, last one hush for some reason available on blu-ray do you remember this one this is the gwyneth paltrow jessica lang thriller no. Really bad. Okay. Really, really bad. The mother-in-law from hell movie. Yeah. Really oh, nice. Bad. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Wait, wait. I think I do. What year did that come out? 98. No, I probably wouldn't then. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to some news? Yes. All right. What you got, sir? I'll let you kick it off. What do I got? Well, it was announced uh, in Variety Magazine that The Lone Ranger has been canceled. This is the Gore Verbinski film starring Arnie Hammer and Johnny Depp, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Um, did you hear why? Yes, apparently budgetary concerns. They couldn't get the budget close enough to $200 million for a Western. This is, uh, you know what? <laughs> Come on now. I appreciate you mentioning that. You know what else I'm going to mention? Because this is, this is actually the reason I want to talk about this. Um, in the same article, they mentioned that Disney is trying to be careful because a lot of the live budget movies, live action films are going way over budget. Well, what really made me very upset is that in the same article, it was revealed that John Carter cost $250 million. No. There's no stars in it, Dave. I mean, like, I understand, like, uh, you know, I, really? I, I don't agree with this kind of method. Look, I get how a movie like How Do You Know can cost $100 million because you got to pay Jack, you got to pay Reese, you got to pay Paul, you got to pay Owen, you got to pay James L. Brooks, and already, like, you got $70 million, and we're not even talking about the budget. But I don't know. Willem Dafoe does demand a pretty hefty salary <laughs> for voicing an alien. <laughs> That's right. It's like the only name in the movie. Yeah, there's no there's no one in this movie. It's, it's you know, and it's like all CG... I mean, how the heck can Rise of the Apes, which has a star, James Franco is a star, you know, expensive, spectacular effects in almost every single scene. That movie's $90 million. 
$90 million for Rise of the Planet of the Apes. How the heck did they spend $250 million on John Carter? Two words, craft services. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, they probably, like, when you're when you're, sell, when you're putting food on Mars, like, that's a lot of exactly. a lot of effort. I mean, they can't even afford to have the entire title. It's just John Carter, which which nobody wants to see. Like John Carter of Mars, I think people would want to see. I just love the fact that they still have the poster just saying JC. That's just hilarious. Well, to I've me. seen JCM. You know, like, they're afraid to call it John Carter of Mars. I don't know. I, I think mean, the JC is just it makes me laugh. Really do you hard. think Disney is just nervous because Mission to Mars was ten years ago and they're afraid people think it's another? I think like, it's because it's an original property that's not a sequel, so they have no idea what to do with it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I want to be clear about this. I have John Carpenter, uh, John Carpenter, John John Carter of Mars comic books. I get it's a good story. It's ex- it would it would make a good film. It just does it remind? Does the comic remind you of Prince of Persia too? Just a little bit. Oh, okay, just a little bit. Okay. Um, not the comic. Does the comic remind you of it? Ah uh, no, mostly the trailer. Mostly the trailer. Okay, yeah, I mean, it just—it well, yeah, looks yeah. so much like it, like every other film. I—I uh, I think Disney is going to take a huge hit here. I mean, this thing is opening well, up in March, and this thing is going to lose so much money. I mean, I'm just you know predicting here, but there's no way John Carter is going to make 250 million dollars domestic. Well, regards to, in regards to the Lone Ranger, though, I I mean, on one hand, I'm glad they canceled this because I think part of the problem in Hollywood is that budgets are getting very irresponsible, as sure. mentioned. Yeah. But on the other hand, I would rather like see this than like another Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yeah. As would I. No, and I, I agree with you. I mean, like I didn't think you know. On one hand, I, I thought making a Lone Ranger movie in this day and age was kind of a bad idea. But no, certainly it it was intriguing, and the the talent is. Come on, you you wouldn't pay to see Johnny Depp go how white man? Come on. <laughs> it's just like I mean Disney, you know, between John Carter and you know Mars needs moms. It's just I mean they're they're heading towards like MGM bankruptcy. I mean like they can't keep doing this. I mean they got away with Tron, but like they lost a fortune with Sorcerer's Apprentice and Prince of Persia. I mean like you know, and Cars Two lost a lot of money too. I mean they're you know they have it was a Larry the Cable Guy movie. Seriously, what did you expect? I'm just saying. Well, I mean, you know, I'm glad that, I mean, hopefully Pixar realized that they can't just, you know, kind of coast, which is what they literally did with Cars 2. But, I mean, this is, you know, this, I mean, all you need is one cutthroat island to completely sink a studio that, that has momentum. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. All you need is one golden compass to sink New Line <sighs> Cinema. I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, like, John Carter yeah. looks like another golden compass. Well, from well, what I'm reading a lot uh, of also the- something I wanted to mention is that at least I guess this takes a hit away from Johnny Depp's Disney whore status. <laughs> now he just has to worry about his Tim Burton whore status, right? Yes. Well, the, the other thing that, that a lot of pe- some people have been bringing up is the fact that the Lone Ranger is a uniquely American property. Sure. So the concern was, is this really going to translate to an international audience? So if there's if the international money isn't there, then that's going to take away from how much we can actually spend on the movie. It also strikes me just as a uniquely dated property, like you know, like not not in a Charlie Chan sense where you're going to piss everybody off for adopting, but just, I mean, seriously, with like you know Arnie Hammer, who you know we know he's a wonderful actor, but with the mask on and writing with the you know with the music, is that going to seem I, hip? Well, here's the thing: the tour. <laughs> well, it's Gordon Verbinski, who I really like as yeah. a director, and he's so. he's very good. He's very good. I like him, and let's face it: the tourist made two hundred and ten million dollars overseas, so Depp is kind of bulletproof. Kind of, kind of, but you know, so was Tom Cruise and Schwarzenegger at one point in their career. You know, all, all you need is all you need is one Battlefield Earth. You know, all you need is one Lines for Lambs to prove that you know you can't open everything. There you go. All right, cool. All right, what else you got, sir? Let's see. Um, 
it's uh, been revealed that Mike Myers is pretty much like a pen stroke away from signing on to do Austin Powers 4. From what I heard, he has officially signed on. Oh, okay. This is dated news then. Austin Powers 4 coming soon. Where is it? Oh, yeah. Where is it? Oh, I don't have it anymore. It's going to play the crickets because I just don't care. <laughs> just I, I, I like the Austin Powers movies. I did too. I I don't know if we need another one. I mean, I'll be honest. Like My favorite thing about these movies has always been the troubled relationship between Dr. Evil and Scott Evil. That's always been my favorite thing about these movies. Yeah. Do you think Seth Green's going to be too busy with Robot Chicken to come back? Or I think he'd be willing to come back for this. I, I'd, I'd hope so. Okay. Goodness whatever <laughs> i mean the last one was almost 10 years ago now i mean it, it you know it's not that it's a dated 90s property and no question i mean they could have fun with it and they could even you know update it and you know comment on you know the james bond movies or born or whatever but yeah i don't know i think it would be funny well i guess the next the obvious joke would be he'd tra- travel back to the 80s sure. i think it'd be funnier if he actually traveled back to the 90s yeah not a bad idea there it is. Uh, okay. I feel better now. <laughs> okay, is that all you had for What would you rather see, Dave? Lone Ranger or Austin Powers 4? <laughs> Lone Ranger. Lone in Ranger? a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. <laughs> all right. Well, Dave, another question. What would you oh, rather no. see? The Lone Rangers, uh, Lone Ranger, Austin Powers 4, or Bridget Jones 3? <sighs> Have you seen any of the Bridget Jones movies? No. They're good. Felt, they're good, Dave. They're good. They're good British comedies. They're, they're good. Okay. Yeah, they're actually good. I've, seen, uh, the, I've seen the first one. Yeah, yeah, first one's uh, probably... I think it's one of the few roles that uh, old Zelly is actually appealing in. I completely agree. I think she's terrific in these movies. And, and Hugh Grant's in good form. Colin Firth, although I can't imagine him coming back for the third one, but Colin Firth is also very good in these. I have a voice! Yes. Yes, oh, you do. Thank you, sir. Okay. <laughs> Next time, just like wait a minute. We'll just see like how long we can... How long we can have the dead pregnant pause that I have to edit out. Thanks. All right, last two, last two on my part. And Variety magazine revealed that Jonathan Demme will be directing uh, Stephen King's 112263 about an alternate world where John F. Kennedy survived his assassination attempt. That's interesting because I saw it was like a Q&A with Jonathan Demme recently. He said he was completely done with big budget filmmaking. Huh. Well, I wonder how he's going to approach this. I mean, this is the first. It'll be a concert doc, actually. Because <laughs> this is his first adaptation of a novel since, what, Beloved? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love Demi. I mean, I'll, I'll give anything he does a shot, so I'm very curious. And then finally, uh, Patrick Wilson has officially joined the cast of Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Okay. It's a great cast. What? Yeah, it's a great cast. Uh, it's funny because I, re- I heard that Ben Foster joined the cast, and I was looking at the cast and said he wasn't in it, so I wonder if Patrick Wilson's replacing him. Yeah, that could have happened. I wonder if it's like a smallish role or like a one-scene bit or, yeah, I don't know. Plays the alien. I'd be down for that. I still want to see that footage of Jean-Claude Van Damme playing the Predator, you know, the, before he got <laughs> fired from the movie. I want to see that footage. Wow. Okay, wow. That was all you had, sir? That's all I have, mercifully. Wow, yeah. Well, I've got an interesting bit of news to kick things off. Uh, Apparently, Kino has uh, gotten the rights issues cleared up for the music, and we're essentially... Apparently, we're going to get to see the Giorgio Moroder cut of Metropolis later this year, released in its Blu-ray glory. Now, if it's the version I saw in 84, it's pretty short. This is, of course, without all the newfound footage, of course. Parts of it have been tinted to be in color, so it's like this kind of this rusty, copperish look. 
And some of the songs are very controversial in 1984 because a lot of them are very erotic, particularly particularly this one um, by Eurythmics, where Annie Lennox has some pretty racy lyrics, and it made the film very controversial because it was such a contrast from the visuals at times. But this was actually the first version of Metropolis I saw, and I can't say it needs to really be seen anymore. Fair enough. It's a curiosity item. From the soundtrack listing, we've got uh, Freddie Mercury, Pat Benatar, Cycle V, uh, Giorgio Moroder, Bonnie Tyler, Loverboy, Billy Squire, and in, in, in. I'm in. Okay, there, there you go. That was just for you, then, Ethan. Just kind of interesting that something that's had so many problems with the music rights suddenly gets cleared up, and yeah, that is odd. I'm, yeah, I'm actually a pretty big uh, Yorgo Morador fan, so I'd be interested in checking it out. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I love his work, no question, and and this made the film extremely accessible for someone like me who was like a little boy who had never seen a silent film before. Um, but you know, with it goes without saying, this is this is not really the most ideal way to see this film. Yep, uh, we have our first review of the thing coming in, and apparently, it's a lot like the original, which could be good or bad. <laughs> um, I just don't see why they needed to make it then. <laughs> I just kind of wish it had a different title. That would be very nice. Before the thing, yeah, even that, like, because uh, this is this is the thing about remakes. I'm not as pissed off about as remaking movie as just using the same title, sure. Because then there's always that confusion where you say, "Oh, I love this and like that piece of shit," and then like, "No, the original." Yeah, I hate telling people I love Walter Hill's Crossroads, and they think I'm talking about a Britney <laughs> Spears movie. <laughs> I know it's not. I know it's not a remake, but I I just thought I'd voice that again because it still makes me angry. There you go. There you go. That's really all. I just wanted to mention. Oh, it sounds like it's going to be more of the same. Um, have you guys been keeping up on what's going on over at AMC? The I have not. I, this I, is yeah, I have. Okay, so so for the, you, you will be able to talk in a piece of knowledge or whatever. But um, there's an article put up over at the Hollywood Reporter getting into what happened actually with The Walking Dead, and it sounds like AMC's in some trouble right now. Um, they ended up acquiescing to Matthew Weiner to give him, I think it's $10 million a year for the next three years to do Mad Men. And then they cut the episode order for the final season of Breaking Bad like in half and came to such an impasse that the studio who owns it actually went out of their way to go start pitching the final season to another studio like FX or HBO or wherever. And now, turns out, Darabont didn't quit. He was fired from The Walking Dead. They cut the... They cut the uh, the, the, the budget by like 750 grand an episode and then they uh, have essentially threatened the uh, the cast essentially saying if anyone says anything you know you're on a zombie show we can kill you off really easily like it's it's really getting very interesting <laughs> uh, is that pretty much about how you, you you've heard about everything Ethan yeah um what do you think's going on over there dude <laughs> I don't. Well, I guess I think they mentioned this in the article, but having the two best shows on TV doesn't necessarily mean you have the best ratings. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I mean, the interesting thing is that thing is that Walking Dead has the the biggest audience of anything AMC's put out, and that's just kind of interesting that they go, "Well, you you you're our most successful show. Let's cut everything." Which is yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it went beyond the Comic Con crowd. I mean, that show is like this prestigious, prestigious show, and it's well. The the killer is that it happened like a week after Darabont came out to help pimp the second season of The Walking Dead. Then they axed. Like a really few days low. later. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I'm I'm legitimately concerned. I'm like, I almost don't want to get invested anymore in The Walking Dead just because this is how it's going to go. And this this is the only show that AMC actually even owns. 
Like like Breaking Bad and Mad Men, I think are are they both owned by Sony, Ethan? I think Lionsgate owns Mad Men and Sony owns Breaking Bad. Okay. And so this one show that they have complete control over, get every penny that comes in, they're cutting it with as much as they can. And it's it's, kind of sad to see. Hmm. So uh, to his credit, Darabont has refused to issue any kind of public statement about it. It's very big of him. Yeah. So that's good good on him. Um, My final bit of news is a little bit of cool Screen Geeks news. Um, If you're in the UK, you should go pick up a copy of the Drummond Will because apparently my review is quoted on the back cover. Yay! Yes, thanks to to, to Screen Geeks UK director uh, Jack Rexon for letting me know about it. And uh, yeah, that's really stinking cool. I'm going to have to import a copy. And what did you say about it, Dave? Oh, crap. (laughs) You don't remember? I have it closed. Well, it took like a line from it, so. Okay. It was crap. Dang it. Hang on. I'm going to go look and, oh, well, I'm not editing this. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> here it comes. Da, 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 da. It was you. Absolutely should. You absolutely must seek this film out and discover the glorious insanity for yourself because that movie is nuts. So yeah, very cool. Thanks to uh, Alan Butterworth and all the guys over there for for using our quote. What were you gonna say, Ethan? Oh, I, just, I actually remembered one story that I uh, that we forgot to bring up. What okay. story would that be, sir? Apparently, uh, I, I just remember this David Yates and Steve Cloves are going to do The Stand. That's right. I do remember hearing about that. Really? Can it get better than the TV miniseries? One would hope. <laughs> because, the, I mean, that, that series, the se- miniseries, that worked just fine for what it was for then. But, uh, no, I think... It was I, no I, it. I would like to see a big, big version of The Stand, man. I think that would be really cool. More than Dark Tower? I... You know, I, I think what people are putting on the Dark Tower is just a little too big. I mean, I really do think the Dark Tower, we should focus on making just one movie instead of having to sign all these talent on for like, you know, three movies or four movies or five movies. I think the mistake oh. and the, the studio or the owners of the, of the the property, they're just putting too much pressure on, okay, we need to make this a trilogy. We need to make a franchise and a tentpole. Just make one great movie and, and see, you know, if people bite and they and they continue to go. And if they do, then, you know, make them sign contracts to do two more films, you know, like what they did for Daniel Craig for James Bond. Just one movie and then, you know, if, if it works, then you'll keep them on. And Hey, Frank Darabont's available. Indeed he is. Well, I'm curious to see what David Yates does next, just because, uh, like, I think there's things in the Harry Potter movies that are actually very well directed and mm-hmm, visually yeah. interesting. But sure. I'd, I'd be interested to see what he does kind of outside of that. Oh, definitely. What else did he do? Did he, did he do Hard Candy? No, that's David Slade. Slade, my bad. David okay. Slade. Okay. What has he done since then? Uh, don't. I, just he, curious. I didn't. Uh, Twilight. Eclipse. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We will come back and have some fun doing a little bit of fantasy casting for some of our favorite movies. It should be a good time. We'll be right back. In a world where knowledge is power. In an age where time is the most valuable commodity. In a voice that's killing my throat. Comes a podcast that will bring you wisdom in less than one minute a day. So join me, Martin Darkley, 
as we journey to enlightenment. Our teachers? Classic lines from cinema history. Come then to MovieMantras.com and begin a voyage to a higher state. And we're back. We're going to recast some of our favorite films. Um, one of the dinkier uh, topics on our show recently. But it's fun. We haven't done we're something fun like fun. this in a yeah, while. We have, yeah, it's true. We've been, been, been trying too hard for the Tony. Or what is the equivalent for the Internet Pod? Um, what is it? Shoot. The there, 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 there are Webby Awards. Webby. There is the, the Webby. Uh, Latin, Latin Grammy. There you go, Latin Grammy. That's what we're going for. I'll take a Latin Grammy. There it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the Parsec is done at Dragon Con every year. There are a few the of them out there. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Um, I would like to recast Red State, and instead of having Michael Parks in the role of the evil preacher, I would like to cast Kirk Cameron because I, <laughs> I think that would be really interesting. That is inspired, sir. That is um, inspired. I'd like to recast Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver instead of Robert De Niro as Travis Bickle. I'd like to see Michael Richards. I think that would be really believable and terrifying. Um, let's see. Um, Barton Fink, to make it a little more hip, um, but at the same time also uh, kind of strange and even more surreal than it already is. Um, out goes John Turturro, in goes Tom Green, and out goes John Goodman, and in goes Seth Rogen. I was going to say uh, Jonah Hill, but okay. Jonah Hill, yeah. I, think I would say that's a Canadian uh, double bill right there. That is a Canadian double bill. I didn't even realize that. Seriously, that was that was accidental. There it is. Man, you are inspired, Barry Worst. Um, Oliver Stone's The Doors. Out goes Val Kilmer. In goes Russell Brand as Jim Morrison. I can see that. I can totally see that. Um, As an experiment, because I want to see if I can make this film much, much worse. Um, Cool as Ice. Out goes Vanilla Ice. In goes Carrot Top. Ooh. Did that make the film worse? Ooh. I was going to say Marky Mark, but okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Mark Wahlberg's too good for that movie. That's why I said Marky Mark. It's, a, it's gotta be a Marky, oh, Marky Mark movie, Mark. not a Mark Wahlberg movie. It's a Marky Mark movie. <laughs> I love it. We're separating Mark Wahlberg from from the Marky Mark persona. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. Just like The Happening is a Marky Mark movie, Shooter's a Marky Mark movie. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And then finally, uh the cast I'd like to replace the cast of Easy Rider with the cast of Wild Hogs. And uh <laughs> and you go, okay. Replace well, Peter Fonda with Peter Fonda. <laughs> And then, well, the thing is, you go, well, Barry, what about Martin Lawrence? Well, here's the thing. You cast him as the redneck who shoots them at the end. So you've got three easy riders, and then you've got Martin Lawrence playing the guy in the truck who shoots them at the end. There's some uh, racial, there's some social commentary there. Exactly, exactly. No, not Marlon Wayans. No, well, no, Marlon Wayans wasn't in, wasn't know, in Wild Hogs, so I'm trying to stay, to, stay, <laughs> trying to to stay the true confines. to the Wild Hogs day. <laughs> Because that's so important to do. It really is. It is. It is. Wow. So, so I, my idea was we'll, we'll kick out some movies and, and change the genre. Okay. See. My first thought was to uh, change Blazing Saddles into an exploitation western with Michael Jai White being the sheriff. Um, I think Joe Don Baker should take over for Slim Pickens. <laughs> so, wait, is, so is Michael Jai White playing Black Dynamite or no? He's playing. He's playing. He's the okay, sheriff, he's, but, he's, but it's an, an, okay. an exploitation western style. Okay. Okay. So changing the genre some too, I like that. I yeah. mean, like I said, I think that sounds kind of like the the Tarantino Django Unchained that we. <laughs> yeah. 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 There oh, you go. Very good. Yes. Yes. Do you, do you have any you want to throw out at all, Ethan, or should I like shall I keep going? No, I've got one. Uh, old dogs. <laughs> uh, keep keep John Travolta and Robert Williams. Obviously, they were great together. 
<laughs> but uh, the uh, gorilla that fondles Seth Green at the end will be played in a motion capture suit by Irene Jacobs from the Double Life of Irani. <laughs> that is so surreal, an image. Although I think Seth Rogen would enjoy that. I mean, Seth, Seth. Green. Sorry, Seth Green. Wrong Seth. Wow. There it is. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who to do this one for. Because there, there's an actor, I think, who could replace an actor in just about every movie and make the movies more entertaining. And that would be Mr. Tommy Wiseau stepping in for any role that Arnold Schwarzenegger has taken. Yeah. Come yeah. on, Kindergarten Cop. Total Recall. Eraser. Ooh, Jingle All the Way with Tommy Wiseau. I would get in line for that and right Marlon now. And Marlon Wayans instead of Sinbad. Oh, yeah. There you go. Although, like, you know, Marlon Wayans, like, I mean, there's there's great Marlon Wayans. You know, there's Scary Movie and G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. And then there's, like, bad Marlon Wayans, which is, like, Dungeons and Dragons and everything, like, he did after that. Mm-hmm. So, like, what, what, what... It'd have to be bad Marlon Wayans. Mar- bad Marlon Wayans? Okay. Yeah. There's only one good Marlon Wayans movie, and that would be Requiem for a Dream. Well, yeah, because that that's, <laughs> that's, like, the Citizen Kane of Marlon Wayans movies. <laughs> yes. Scary Movie 2 had its moments. That's the one... is. Correct me if I'm wrong, because sometimes I confuse the scary movies. That's the one where he actually gets rolled into a joint and smoked by the tree, right? Classics. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was amusing. Wow. Do you remember that? Was a, did you see scary movies? Uh, it's been forever. It's a nice takeoff on Poltergeist. The tree breaks in, and then like you know, instead of trying to eat the kid, they like he rolls Marlon Wayans into a joint and tries to smoke him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just came up with an evil one. But what do you got? Oh. I hate to reach Casper's Campbell in anything. But taking got? off from you, Kirk Cameron and Evil Dead. <laughs> Kirk Cameron and Evil Dead. You know, Kirk Cameron, almost anything it would just be fascinating. But Kirk Cameron and the Evil Dead. Oh, it's Ash. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Man. Evil Dead 1. Because Evil Dead 2, you can't pull off the comedy. And Evil Dead 3 is too much of a stor- Three Stooges movie. I would love to see that. I mean, my favorite thing about Evil Dead is the final shot. I would love to see, like, you know, the panning through the forest and the house. And then it ends with Kirk Cameron screaming. Yeah. I would like that. Or, or it comes up on the picture from Growing Pains, either or. <laughs> and and, and uh, instead of that, that jolly music, it's the Growing Pains theme during the end credits. Yes. There Show me that smile. <laughs> wow, you actually yeah. remember part of the song. I remember part of the song. Yeah. You remember more than I do, sir. <laughs> you really do. Did you ever watch that, Ethan? Did you ever watch Growing Pains? No, it's it's before my time. Featuring Leonardo DiCaprio Yeah, I was going to say, it. featuring a young Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. after the show jumped the shark already. Did it? I do, I do uh, know of Boner. Yes, everyone should know about Boner. The greatest Joker we've had, possibly. It was like between Boner and who's the character on Step by Step? Was it Cody or Brody? I didn't get into Step by Step. That was about the time I was like... You never watched Step by Step? Oh, that's With Patrick so- Duffy and Suzanne Somers? Yeah, the one with, the, with the, where they took the Magic Mountain roller coaster and like that's CGI sand in front of it and right. it looked really bad. Yeah, that's it. I think I watched like three episodes of that. Yeah. I think that was like it was on before or after Family Matters, which of course is the Urkel show. Yes. Everybody remembers the Urkel show. And of course, Reginald Bell Johnson once again playing a cop. So we can put Jaleel White in Brother from Another Planet, right? Yeah, that would work. Nice. Yeah. I like what you did there. That's good. I could see, I can see that movie. I don't know that you'd want to see that movie. Well, like, ones I wrote down, just because, like, I've been so curious. I would love to see the alternate world, alternate universe version of Raiders of the Lost Ark starring, starring Tom Selleck. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. I want to see Kurt Russell uh, starring in They Live. I'd love to see that. Uh, Will Smith was supposed to play the Gary Sinise role in Snake Eyes. I'd love to see that. Um, 
Yeah. The Eric Roberts stuff in uh, Back to the Future. Was it Eric Roberts? Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz, my bad. My Eric bad. Roberts would be fascinating <laughs> in Back to the Future as Marty McFly. That'd be the most terrifying movie ever. With Lloyd Kaufman as Doc Brown. Wow. <laughs> awesome, Dave. You're on a roll, man. That one would... Ooh. I would love that, to that see would Lloyd Kaufman on a horror Doc. movie. I think Lloyd Kaufman would love to see himself as Doc Brown in Back to the Future. God, think of the money that man would be making. <laughs> yeah. I'm just seeing it. It's, it's such a dirty, <laughs> filthy film, it too. It is. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Something uh, like, I, yeah. I have one. What do you got? Uh, replace every movie starring Denzel Washington with Prince. <laughs> wow. Crimson Tide would be amazing. Fallen would be outstanding. Dude, virtuosity. Oh, yeah. Prince and Russell Crowe. That would be so cool. Wow. And replace every Prince movie with Denzel. Hmm. Wow. See, I can Princess see. Princess Malcolm see. X. <laughs> you just broke me, dude. I was going to say Fallen with him there. Instead of John Goodman, we get uh, Brian Dennehy. <laughs> Dennehy. Yeah, no, Morris Day. That's true. You <laughs> there gotta, you go. You got a Morris Day in all the supporting roles. It's true. It's true. Wow. <laughs> need to get Morris Day more work. You know, I always thought that, that Morris Day and Spike Lee kind of look like each other. So, I mean, in Malcolm X, you know, you could have the Morris Day play the, the Spike Lee role. There you that, go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it really works. Would, yeah, would, would, would Morris Day take over from Mila Kunis in Book of Eli? Mm. I want to see Morris Day play the Gary Oldman role okay. in Book of Eli. Well, that would be. Well, they already have, well, since they have that antagonism in all their movies. Yeah, right, perfect. yes, yes. So he has to play that, right. And Apollonia would play the Mila Kunis role in Book of Eli. See, I figured she'd play the, 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 the mom. Oh, the Jennifer Beals role. Hmm. Then Raven Simone could play. <laughs> Raven Simone. God. Now, who's, who's, who's the lady in uh, Graffiti Bridge again? That's Ingrid Chavez. Yeah, she could. Uh... She's not doing anything. She, she could do these remakes. There you go. Wow. Yeah. This is increasingly becoming a bad idea. <laughs> I like this idea. <laughs> I, I want to see more Prince movies. I really do. Like, you know, it's kind of like the other day watching uh, Captain EO. It's like, man, Michael Jackson, not an actor, but I would have loved to have seen more Michael Jackson movies, you know? And same with Prince. Like, you know, whether it's camp appeal or just because he's such a sensational performer, I really wish there were more Prince movies, but, you know, I know I'm. Ethan well, I was watching kind of uh, Fright Night, the original, I think a few months ago. I was rewatching it, and I was thinking. He could have played Jerry Danridge. That would have been, yeah, yeah. That like he was really big enough at the time too, like yes, coming up Purple Rain. That like seriously, the studio offered it to him. Really? Could? No, I'm saying they could have. <laughs> well, they could have offered it to him. Yeah, yeah, no, I. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Because he could be scary. Yeah. That'd be really interesting, especially like the early scenes and like under the under the uh, cherry moon where he makes those like creepy googly eye faces he could he could totally do jerry dandridge well the thing is that jerry dandridge i mean in both movies kind of oozes sex appeal i want your blood see there you go exactly i in a really jacked up weird way i could see him pulling it off could you see him do evil ed <laughs> no that's more you're role. so cool charlie no that that's that's more stays role right there actually i was just thinking too maybe another musician movie but he's replaced to uh, david bowie with him and the man who fell to earth Hmm. Uh, uh, Interesting. I think, I think that'd be good. It'd be a funkier movie. <laughs> <laughs> if only that he would have been in Soul Plane, it would have saved that movie. Yeah, that might have saved Soul Plane. 
No. 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 <laughs> I've actually seen ten minutes of Soul Plane. It was on TNT one afternoon, and I was in a laundromat for some reason. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like I'm describing hell, right? But yeah, yeah, go into this this laundromat, and it's playing, and. I saw a little bit of it with like Tom Arnold as like the the wacky white passenger and like Snoop Dogg and like Snoop Dogg's the pilot who's afraid to fly and he's backing the plane up. You know the plane has shocks so the plane is like bouncing. It's got hydraulics. And hydraulics, yeah, yeah. I mean it's wow. Soul Plane. There you go. Spike Lee hates Soul Plane and he's right to hate Soul Plane. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Right on. Okay. Well, if, if, I think we've kind of killed this one pretty properly. <laughs> oh no, I think there's a ton of things we could recast I'm with Bill sh- Paxton. <laughs> Anything but Torchwood, because actually he wasn't even in that episode. That's right. They must have given him a day off or something. He was on Torchwood. Yeah, he's in this. Uh, Bill Pullman. My bad. I'm thinking oh, Pullman. Bill, Bill Pullman. Pullman. My bad. My Bill bad. Pullman. Bill Paxton. Good Lord. It's like the same dude. No, 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 no. No, they're both good, but you know, in different ways. Well, you know, that's that's one of the problems I have with the changeup. It's like. I love Jason Bateman. I do. I respect him. He's got a good body of work. He proves that he can do drama and like really good character roles. And Ryan Reynolds, too. He's proven that he can do some really good straight roles, serious roles. But, I mean, switching those two is kind of bland. It's like mixing vanilla with vanilla. And I'm not saying that it has to be like a like a racial difference or anything. But, like, think of, like, if it was, like, Woody Allen and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was going to say Richard Pryor and, uh, and uh, Gene Wilder. Sure. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Something that's more interesting. But like when it's Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds, I just don't think that's a particularly interesting like swapsies. I think Zach Galifianakis and anyone would be entertaining because he's willing to go wherever he has to go. If it was Zach Galifianakis and Robert Downey Jr. doing that movie, that idea, I think that might have been much better. Ooh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Very mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Anyway, Donald Glover is Spider Man. Who? Donald Glover from Mystery Team. Oh wow. That would be interesting. He, he, was, he was trying to get... A, I love Mystery he was, Team. He was trying to get an audition for it, so... Really? Yeah, he was trying to get an audition to be Peter Parker. That would have been great. He could have pulled that off. I mean, you know... Spider-Man sure. is white, Dave. <laughs> Just... I thought the Kingpin was white, but Daredevil proved me otherwise. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, let's let's put this thing to bed. That's... I am this curious. subject matter is becoming like like Wilson, like well, floating away from his yeah, Wilson or the paper or the plastic bag in American Beauty, there just kind of swirling around. Here's the thing, though. I, th- this isn't so much a topic for us. I'm really curious to see what our listeners come up with because there's going to be some messed up stuff coming. Sure, <laughs> and, and sure. it's going to be glorious. Superfan Mark Smith, it is up to you to trump us. <laughs> Listen to this episode oh, once no. or twice. I'm sure Billy Flynn's going to come up with some stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, we're going to have. I'm some actually stuff. afraid of what Billy Flynn will come up. Yeah, with. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so let's let's go ahead and move on to what's coming out in theaters this week. This week in theaters, the remake or reboot or redo or rehash regurgitation of Conan the Barbarian without Governor Schwarzenegger. I can't look at that trailer without laughing. I'm sorry. I haven't even it seen it. It looks so yet. bad. I've just seen the motion capture posters. I guess that's like the new thing that the kids love. The motion capture posters. Oh, you mean like the the the. Yeah, like the, the, the lenticular posters yeah, or whatever yeah, the heck they are. Yeah, lenticular, yeah. You, got you know, when Final Destination 1 did that, it was awesome because, you know, look at the poster one way, it's the faces. Another way, it's the skulls. But now it's like everybody's doing that. Mm-hmm. Just kind of cheesy. Um, Anne Hathaway and Jim Sturgis in One Day, which I cannot talk about, but I have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Rodriguez's latest entry in the Spy Kids trilogy. No, it's not even trilogy. Quadrilogy. No, it's, it's a franchise now. The qua- franchise. Yeah, it's a franchise. All the time in the world. The Spy Kids all the time in the world starring Joel McHale and uh, Jessica Alba together at last. There you go. And uh, let's see. Finally, 
Fright Night, the remake with uh, Anton Yelchin and Colin Farrell from the director of Large and the Real Girl, Jim Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about it so badly, but can't. Next Good thing week. we get to re- re- record a radio spot here in a minute, huh? Yes, get it off our chastises. Yes, yes. All right, well, let's hit an on-home video next week. Uh, a bunch of art house films, for the most part. You got Troll Hunter, the... I can't wait to see supposed that. supposed to be amazing trolls. Not so great when it's hunting, but great when you actually see the things. Uh, one of the more talked about films of the year, Mel Gibson in The Beaver, the Jodie Foster film. Mm-hmm. A lot to talk about there. Am I the I'm really proud of you the way you put that, sir, because that could have been put a very oh, different I've, way. Oh, I've had too much fun with that. Time. No, no, yeah, but um, there's... Um, let's see, because you saw it, right, Ethan? I wanted to, but it... I Well, let's see, it... It never opened in Winnipeg. Actually, it did open, but the weekend I left, I moved back to Montreal. And by the time I moved back to Montreal, it had been like it was gone from theaters, so oh, I never okay. got the chance to see it. Yeah, I, I, I'm dying to talk about this movie. But, you know, and I'm just kind of like a voice of one. I really want to talk to you guys about this movie. It's it's worth talking about. Um, win Win, one of my favorite films of the year with Paul Giamatti. I think it's a wonderful film. Uh, greatest movie ever sold, the latest snarky snark from uh, Mr. Morgan Spurlock. Uh, Ethan's favorite documentarian. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. You know, he's starting to run a little... I'm starting to get a little tired of him, too, to tell you the truth. Secret Sunshine, available for the first time on Criterion. Beautiful film. Uh, Henry's Crime, starring Keanu Reeves, James Caan, and uh, Vera Farmiga. Really interesting idea for a movie. Um, apparently not that good. Okay. Because that's what the word is, though. I'm, I'm curious to see it. Sympathy for Delicious. Interesting title. This is uh, with... With, uh, let's see, it's Orlando Bloom, Juliet Lewis, and Mark Ruffalo. It played two years ago at the Maui Film Festival, and uh, apparently it's really, really, really bad. Hmm. I think Mark Ruffalo directed it, too. Did he? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Hmm. Uh, Where the Boys Are 84. Man, this is a weird one. I've actually been waiting for this one. This is the first film ever released by TriStar Pictures. Um, it's kind of, um, you know how in the 80s there are all these movies like Porky's and Spring Break and all these like male-driven sex comedies. This is a female-driven sex comedy. It's kind of like The Bridesmaids of its day. It's about a bunch of girls who go to Fort Lauderdale to meet guys and hook up. Where the Boys Are 84. There you go. Okay. Um, available for the first time or in some cases in reissues for Blu-ray. On one hand, you've got Stanley Kubrick's Lolita. I love that film. And Barry Lyndon, one of the most beautiful films ever filmed. Redundant sentence, I know. The rest are, let's see, um, as Dave pointed out, our, our Josh triple feature. You've got Ernest Scared Stupid, Ernest Goes to Camp, and Ernest Goes or Ernest Goes to Jail, though not Ernest Saves Christmas, which I think is the best of the Ernest films. Hmm, just Interesting. Saying. Just, just my opinion. I think one of the lesser of the Bruce Willis films, Hostage. Have you guys seen this? I have. I was, I was really kind of underwhelmed by it. Did you like it, or uh, do you I remember, remember it? Very little about it. Yeah, it's. it's there's the probably one, a reason. This is one where he, uh, there's a hostage situation. And he has to break into the house. I think it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't very good. Let's see. And the rest are all Disney flops, uh, either by Touchstone, Hollywood Pictures, or the Walt Disney Company. You've got Play to the Bone, the boxing film from Ron Shelton, starring Woody Harrelson, Antonio Banderas, and Lucy Liu. Not very good. Uh, Sharon Stone trying to be Sean Penn in Dead Men Walking. Her movie was called Last Dance. Okay. Wasn't very good. Uh, I, here, here are two good titles. Would you say, Dave, best poker movie ever, Rounders? Ooh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say The Sting, but, you know, Rounders, Rounders. I know most poker poker fans love that film. Uh, Swingers, the first film by Doug Lyman, uh, starring Vince Vaughn and... Uh, Ghost directed by John Favreau. <laughs> that's right. Swingers, I love Swingers. Let's see. And then we've got, this is weird. Uh, this is a film I actually saw in the theater, Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. You guys seen this one? 
This is the dinosaur movie. William Cat. I Katz, vaguely remember it. William Cat and Sean Young with animatronic dinosaurs. I vaguely remember. Yeah, I saw this one mm-hmm. when it was in the theater. Uh, scenes from all. The only time you could ever see a love scene between Bette Midler and Woody Allen. I'm not making that up. Scenes from all. Do you want to see that? Um, I've not forgotten that scene, so <laughs> not sure how to answer that. Holy matrimony. Speaking of, do you really want to see this? This is the one where Pat- uh, Patricia Arquette marries a very small child. It was directed by Leonard Nimoy. It's a comedy. Hmm. Uh, Holy matrimony. Okay. Moving on. The tie that binds. The tie that binds. This is with Daryl Hannah from the creators of The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, only not as good. Miami Rhapsody, a ripoff of Woody Allen films starring Antonio Banderas, Mia Farrow, and Sarah Jessica Parker. And finally, uh, the best film uh, in this category of Disney flops for some reason being released on Blu-ray, The War at Home. This was directed by Emilio Estevez. It stars Emilio Estevez, his father, Martin Sheen, Kathy Bates, and Olivia Williams. This is about a man who comes home from the Vietnam War and has to deal with the repercussions. It's actually a really great film. Hmm. This is the only, you know, he directed Bobby, which got some very mixed reviews, and he directed Wisdom and other films, but I think, and Men at Work. I think this is, without a doubt, not only the best thing that Emilio Estevez has directed, but I think it's one of the best things he's ever done. It's, I think it's a very underrated film. So check out The War at Home. It's a very good drama. Very cool. Right on. Um, so I have a contest I'm going to run that I haven't talked to anyone else about, but oh well, I'm going to run it. Uh, <laughs> why not? We haven't, done a, we haven't done a contest in a while. Uh, if you call us right now at our voicemail number, it's 719-695-0706. You're going to hear something along the lines of, hello, uh, the person you're calling, Screen Geeks Radio, is not available right now. You know, like, like I only said Screen Geeks Radio and everything else is like automated. So I'm looking for a new voicemail message. And it can be you can call in and leave a message. You can email us a uh, you can email me a uh, an MP3 of a, of a voice recording if you want to at davidscreengeeks.com. I'm gonna run this for about three weeks, and we're gonna play the finalists, and then we're gonna choose what we want, and then the winner gets their choice of either um what, what were the choices? I was either Ride with the Devil or Mystery Train Criterion's on Blu-ray. Wow, nice. Can so, Ethan and I participate? Can we call his Prince and Morris Day and leave you a message? I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> so. Going to run it for about three weeks or so. I'll give you reminders and everything. But, yeah, if you want to shoot us an email, by all means, for feedback, I want to hear what your jacked-up mashups or recastings are. Uh, email us at podcast, Barry, Dave, or Ethan, all at screengeeks.com. And as I said before, you can give us a call at 719-695-0706. We'll play your voicemail on the, the, the air, or we'll play your voicemail message on the air. I'm a little scared to do this, but I can't wait to see what the really messed up stuff we're going to get. I, I I like this. This is good stuff. I, I can't wait to hear Marty's bring, entry. Bring ex- excitement back to Screen Geeks. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to what, what, what Marty comes up with. I'm going to I'm gonna call Marty after this and tell him that he needs to come up with something immediately. Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, that's I think that's all we've got for our show this week. Uh, we're not doing too bad on time, which is all good. So we'll be back again next week. We should be on a, a more regular publishing schedule now. So, uh, yeah. But until then, this is Dave. This is Barry. This is Bill. Which one? Murray. Yay! <laughs>